No, I'm not an influencer. Oh, no? You don't want to be? Did um, you ever aspire to that? No, not at all. Huh. Uh, no. Some people some people are like, oh, new D-trans influencer just dropped. I'm just like, no, not really. Ooh. I don't know. It's quite the grift. You can go around <laughs> talking to senators. I know. So much fun. Hmm. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you in school right now, or are you... Uh, no, I, I graduated in 2019. Okay. Uh, yeah. What did you graduate with? or um, A high school diploma. Oh, okay. Any interest yeah. in college at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm considering going back to school for biology. Um, oh, cool. Work with, work with animals or in some lab somewhere. Yeah. Do you like flesh and bones <laughs> and entrails? <laughs> um... <laughs> They're they're interesting, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in a funny way, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Anxious. I've never done anything like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I understand. It's uh, kind of nerve wracking, um, but it tends to be the case that people completely. For it's like a phone call, basically. Mm -hmm. Are you? Have you always been online? What What's your relationship with the internet been like? Um, I mean, I, I transitioned pretty publicly online. I, I detransitioned even more publicly online. But other than that, I've always just been kind of more of a lurker. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, I've always been fascinated by it. I, I discovered it at like 19. This is... Uh, you know, 25 years ago, or I guess 28 years ago. Um, you know, like I walked into a uh, college, I w my dad was going to college late in life. He went to, to get his master's of divinity at a seminary and they had like a on-campus computer lab. And I walked in and I spent like a few hours online and I walked out into the world and the world just felt like oddly surreal, you know, because I was in this other realm, this other world. And then, yeah, I, um, I, but then I didn't really have consistent access to the internet until much later myspace days yeah kind of probably for the best <laughs> i don't know it totally uh the things that i was concerned with as a you know 19 to 24 year old were books and girls and you know social life and stuff like that so it wasn't really online mm -hmm. just didn't have a thing so it wasn't a part of my development at all i mean there was a little bit of computer games but yeah, I, I wish I could be that lucky, but no, I was pretty much raised on the internet. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're just oh, yeah. like oh, yeah, an iPhone when you're 10 or something? Oh, yeah. Like a t tablet when I was like eight or something, super young. Yeah. Did you, uh, you said you're a lurker. Were you, um, did you do chat forums or anything like that? Or what was your main interest? Yeah, t tons of forums, mostly like trans forums and then detrans forums and then just any other hobbies mm -hmm. I have. Yeah trans what is so compelling about that what why do you think it was so compelling to you uh, and i i guess uh did you have gender dysphoria before discovering the idea of gender and trans um i don't i don't know growing up i mean I, I showed every sign of like a trans kid right so growing up um i was very feminine i liked barbies i liked pink i liked dresses all that stuff that like is like an indicator of being a trans kid so I guess in that way, some people would say I had gender dysphoria since before I knew. Um, but then I, I like discovered trans people on YouTube and on the internet and stuff when I was pretty young. I think I was about 11 and I had already known at that point that I was gay and 
didn't really have the best relationship with that. And I saw the transition stuff and I saw the process and the end result. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. I wish I could do that. And then the more research I did, I was like, wow, I can do that. Uh, so I guess in a way that's how it was compelling. It's like, I was kind of this, this hurt gay boy. And I saw all these beautiful women online, just like getting surgery and living their best life. And I, I mean, it, it was too good to give up. Hmm. How, how could you, if you were like God or a God and, and you were able to go back and you couldn't change that you were gay, but you could change the environment around you. What were some of the, some of the things that you would change or tweak to allow you to be more comfortable with just your status, your sexuality? Oh, definitely. So, I mean, looking back now, I wouldn't even want to change the fact that I was gay, but if I could change my environment, I mean, it was, it was everything really. It was school, it was teachers, my classmates, um, my parents and everything, my family members, they all drilled this idea into my head that I need to be more masculine and, um, that, you know, no one will love me if I like boys. I'll never find like a, a real partner. I'll never find real love, just stuff like that. And then, um, the kids at school would be mean with like name calling and stuff. And the teachers would pretend to not hear it really. Hmm. So I, I, yeah, I would change, I guess my, my home life, my, my, the, just the way that people talk to me about my perceived queerness, I guess. Yeah. Your perceived queerness, huh? What a concept. That word has just changed so much and, and once it became political. Oh, for sure. And then people I adopted, adopted as like an identity and stuff as if it didn't, it wasn't used to hurt so many people, but it's whatever. Mm -hmm. And how were you gay? Um, like, how did that manifest? I guess you, you, you like, were you flamboyant? What were you interested in? Like, how, oh. how did your social relationships form around that? I was very flam I was very flamboyant. I always had this voice. I always had this like inflection and stuff. Um, I, I liked very stereotypically girly things, and I always hung out with other girls. And I mean, I, I, I it was so obvious to everyone but me, I guess, because I didn't really think about it until much later. I didn't think about it until people started assigning it to me. Yeah. How? Which, how I mean, I would have. Oh, I, I would have found out eventually anyway, but I found out way young that like what I was and what was wrong with me just from other people's perception of me. Hmm. Were the girls more uh, sympathetic or accepting or just unquestioning about this? Oh, definitely. Which is funny because that changed in transition. Um, it actually switched to the boys being more sympathetic and stuff and then the girls being really weird. But back then, um, yeah, girls were super accepting of me. They were sympathetic. They viewed me as one of them. Oh my God. That's really fascinating. So um, I'm going to psychologize or at least socio-politicize this. So you weren't a threat to the women until you started to become one. You, be yeah. you became competition. And so they started treating you like, like one of the girls, yeah. like in like a mean Ex girl's fashion. Exactly. Yeah. Like when I was a gay boy, I would be dragged into the women's bathroom with them to be told all the gossip and everything. Cause it was fine. I had a place there kind of in their, in their eyes. When I started transitioning and my school, let me use the women's bathroom. People started complaining. People started saying stuff to me in the bathroom, Yeah, but it was never an, it was never an issue when I was a gay boy and I was just going into the girl's bathroom with other girls. Oh, wow. You were like their token. I was just seeing, um, 
it's kind of it's kind of a trope. Gay, yeah, yeah, they're token gay. Um, the the way that females, well, I guess a certain subset, a certain uh, you know cultural uh, or you know status of female uh, idolize the homosexual in in a different way. I just uh, publishing right now a interview with a very uh, very feminine woman who uh, was overwhelmed by the uh, intra-female competition for males and the the amount of bullying that she mm-hmm. suffered as a female. And she got into Yaoi or that fanfic where, you know, like there'd be these influencer boys that would be making out with each other. And so she started getting into this kind of romantic, erotic fixation of thinking of herself as a male because it would be really, really safe. So there's mm-hmm. that kind of level of ide- idealizing homosexuality. But then there's like the token gay like mm-hmm. the safe male or something like do you have any, what, what are your yeah, thoughts I, on that were you did uh, you feel def- used or do you think that, that that's actually a kind of a a place for a gay definitely. boy definitely i mean honestly I, I should have been with the guys i should have been getting male socialization um but I, I didn't because i was scared of them and they weren't very nice to me that's all i ever felt like was an accessory no, really? never anything true and on a deep or, or meaningful level like the other girls had with each other mm-hmm. just kind of something well, to like parade around yeah, where where did you find like your first deep, deeper, or deepish relationship? Where where did that occur? When? Um, probably at the end of middle school. I, I made friends with this girl that was um, in high school, and this was right around the time I started transitioning. I, I had already transitioned online by like the name and pronouns and stuff, but then I started doing it for real, like in person. And she took me under her wing and taught me stuff, and we became very, very close. So it took me until the end of middle school to really develop any meaningful friendship. Hmm. Just because it was always just on this very superficial level with women, and then uh, men didn't want anything to do with me. Yeah. And albeit middle school is pretty superficial to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, I feel like it was on a different level. Yeah, just a different level completely. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, uh, the friendship was on a different level? Like, she wasn't just Um, showing you how to emulate femininity, but there was a more... No, like, the superficiality in middle school for me was on a completely different level. Because everyone would be, like, so superficial to me and very two-faced and everything. Because they've never really had anyone like me in their life before, so they're so curious. And they would, like, poke and prod, and then they would go and tell everyone else what I said to them. Huh. How did that affect you? Um, it, it gave me some really bad chest issues, honestly. I, I couldn't say when I thought a boy was cute, like all the other girls could say a boy was cute, because then they would tell him, and I mean, it would create conflict, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. what, but, were, uh, what did the idea of transition, um, how did you think that that would solve that, or was that a part of what transition would solve? I... I thought it would, like, I felt like I had no place in society, and I felt like I was unlovable as, like, a feminine boy or even a gay boy, especially a feminine boy. Feminine gays are at the bottom of the totem pole um, when it comes to, like, gay stuff. Um, It's, like, masculine men, hairy men, twinks, femboys. It feels like there really is no place for us sometimes. Um, So part of the appeal with transition was like, Oh, I'll get so much more dates. I'll, I'll live like this more normal life. I'll be accepted for my femininity. Um, and I guess all of that with the internalized homophobia from everything that I went through throughout the years, it just made it seem so good. Like it would have been the fix for everything. Hmm. And I think around the ages of like 
9, 10, 11, I started developing what would be later told to me as uh, gender dysphoria and stuff. 11 was when I, I knew it was concrete because, like I said, I found the, the YouTubers and I would watch like the sex reassignment vlogs and, and the hormones and how to get on hormones and just everything. Um, and then a couple of years later, when I was 13, you know, I, I'd been researching all this stuff and I finally came out to my parents. I think I told them I was like non-binary or something at first. Um, and I started dressing more femininely. I started wearing makeup, growing out my hair. And then around 15, um, well, I, I had already been in psychiatry for a while, but around 15, they had taken me to the gender clinic and I was put on Lupron, which is a puberty blocker. Um, and then after that, uh, when I was 16, estrogen for, to like feminize my body. And I was on that for three years. Okay. What was the, um, what was your relationship to puberty um, before the Lupron comes in your bodily um, changes and stuff? Honestly, I had no opinions on it at all until I started discovering the trans stuff. And then I started getting this seed in my head that masculinity and, uh, testosterone and, and male puberty is wrong and evil. And then I'm just going to transition anyway. Yeah. I mean, puberty was fine until I discovered the shit really. Hmm. And so along with puberty, um, comes desire, um, right. I mean, your sexuality starts to kick into high gear. How did you deal with that? And you don't have to answer that. That's a very personal question. <laughs> no, it's, so, it's okay. Pardon it's me for okay. asking. No, you're fine. Um, I was the only gay boy, really. There was no one else for me to flirt with or anything or experiment with, uh, straight guys would tease me, but I, I guess the way I expressed my sexuality would be online talking to other guys and stuff and which probably got me into some bad situations long run, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel like you were groomed looking back at it? Like either targeted or by like the community? Oh, probably. Um, definitely. I mean, with the gay guys, they're like, Oh wow, you're so young. You're so feminine. You're so pretty. And then the trans people I was telling, like, they were telling me like, you need to preserve this, you know, like you need to go on blockers as soon as possible, as, as young as possible to preserve all of this. Hmm. Now I have observed and it means nothing. <laughs> so you, do you, nothing. Feel, you feel, do you feel trapped, trapped in time, trapped in development physically? Exactly. I feel like I'm 15. I mean, hmm. my friends say I look even younger, especially with the glasses off, but like, I don't know. I don't feel like I look like a 20 year old man. Hmm. And then I, I just overall, I just feel so stunted completely like i haven't grown at all which i mean i haven't but it's been five years since i had the lupron put in initially and just hmm. sucked but yeah how so you're 15 how did that drug affect your your psychology or your feelings your you know your internal state so I had always struggled with mental health, especially after realizing the trans stuff, my mental health took a decline because, I mean, you start comparing yourself to every other trans woman out there, all the people that are on hormones, and you start to feel like worthless because you'll never be as good as them and stuff. Wow. And fully blocked. And I had the Lupron implant. Um, there's a There's a black box warning on them for suicidality. And I mean immediately I dropped to the deepest, darkest depths of my depression. Um, and, it, and I stayed like that for five years. I mean, I, I only got off of it a couple months ago and I feel great. 
but it was like as soon as I got the implant taken out and I started taking testosterone again, everything came back online and I was just happy again and I wanted to live again. But the entirety of the time that I was on, the entirety of the time I was on Lupron, I mean, I was getting hospitalized. I was eating, I had so many eating disorders and my body is like covered in scars now. Um, but it was just, it was mental torment. Um, and they didn't tell you anything about that. And when you bring it up, they gaslight you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the professionals would not, would they would compartmentalize your transition and your mental health. Exactly, yes. It was always, um, you're depressed because you have a penis. You're depressed because you look male or, you know, you're not giving the estrogen enough time and stuff like that. Uh Oh, once you get bottom surgery, you'll be so much happier. Um, just keep looking forward to that. And I mean, if I ever did get the full penile inversion, would it have made me any happier? No. This, I mean, the, the, the suicide rate goes up for post-ops, even with the people that stay trans. Wow. This is such a heavy trip for somebody. What, I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to think, um, like on a spiritual level, like, or on a meaning level, um, mm-hmm your life meaning level, you're given this kind of quasi spiritual self to pursue and to worship. You're not given like a transcendent ideal, like God who created you. Mm -hmm. There's this self that you're creating and you rely on everybody to believe in it and rely on all this technology mm -hmm. to make that. Yeah. This technology that isn't even that advanced and everything, but, and then when, when someone doesn't believe it, it shatters everything. It shatters your whole worldview, you know? And it, it, I mean, I would get earlier. I mean, I got to a point where I passed, right. But earlier in my transition, when I didn't pass as much and people would be like he or him or anything like that, it would shatter me. I had no self-confidence because of the Lupron. And I mean, my testosterone levels were undetectable for five years. Um, but I had no self-confidence. I, I thought I was worthless. Every single time that I heard someone say he, I felt like it assigned even less to my worth you know and it was just it was just awful it was no no one should have to go through that especially not as young as i did did you have anything else like you were into balsa wood sculptures or like art or you know literature like did you have anything outside of this identity that you get to have fun with and play with and learn and master no my entire teen years were just feminizing myself and I was completely isolated because, I mean, everyone, I mean, people think we're weird, you know, so I didn't want anything to do with anyone. I was pretty much completely self-isolated. Um, I, I didn't do much. I, I watched movies and movies with women, pretty women in them that I idealized and sought out after, you know, like sought out to be. It was mm-hmm. everything. Everything was feminization, trying to achieve something and it never did anything and it never, it never alleviated anything. I mean, I, I, I did the laser, I did surgery, I did years of hormones. I grew up my hair, all new girl clothes, learned how to do makeup. None of that did anything. And I would still go out in the world. I, w- I would go out in the world and I would just have this immense passing anxiety anywhere I went. 
anytime I talk to anyone, I'm like, oh, they can tell. They know I'm a guy. They can see right through me. And it was embarrassing, and it was degrading, and it was belittling. Oh, Jesus. How did the estrogen uh, affect you? I went crazy on the estrogen, like psychotic. Oh, no. uh, oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a break at all? Jesus. Did anybody until, care for you and like talk to you? Did you have a counselor that you could trust or a mentor or a friend? I had a gender therapist that I saw when I needed stuff. So when I, oh, need a letter for blockers, need a letter for hormones, need a letter for surgery. Um, that was pretty much it. That was the, that was, I mean, I, I know I should have sucked out more mental health help, but it, it it really should be enforced by the adults in the room that are treating these young kids with these life-altering drugs. So for anybody who's tuning in, um, Ray Blanchard made a typology of uh, transsexuals, and he basically said that there's two categories. There's the autogynophile, the male, the heterosexual male, who his sexuality is tuned to such a way that he wants women, but he wants to be a woman. And then there's the homosexual transsexual who's so effeminate um, just on a basic natural automatic level that it makes sense for them in certain cultural uh, situations to just pass as a woman and then have access to males and then be treated as a woman rather than as a male. It doesn't sound like, it sounds like very strongly that you're the homosexual transsexual and that oh, yeah, definitely. The transition was not a sexual gratification. Rather it was, it was, it was to, to deal with your sexuality, not being accepted as a natural state in your culture. Uh, and exactly. And I was already dealing with such bad mental health in the gender clinic and my therapists were telling me, this is the reason why if you do these treatments, you'll feel better. But I, I, I definitely am not autogynephilic or anything. That's kind of like uh, when one is aroused and of to the, uh, the idea of them being a woman and stuff. So like, I don't know. It, it's like something about being inside of the feminized body that like gets them off or whatever. It seems like they're the only ones that really have a good go with the uh, sex reassignment surgery because they get some sexual gratification out of it enough that they can ignore the complications. And when you had those creepy interactions with older trans people, do you think that that was the autogynophiles? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I didn't know the term back then, but looking back, absolutely. It was definitely AGPs. And then I would make, a, I would make these friends with other HSTSs and stuff. And I mean, they would just be the cattiest people ever, like total mean girls because they were so miserable with themselves, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, the bullying that you get from other trans women is the worst, especially, I mean, with my, with my Twitter thing going viral, the worst reaction I got was from other trans women just because I had detransitioned. Okay. So, uh, and that could be several things. One, if insofar as you do pass, there's envy. And insofar as you say that you don't want to pass anymore, then you're poking a hole in their, if I may mm -hmm. use the term delusion. Oh, definitely use the term delusion. I was suffering delusions, believing I could be a woman for years. Yeah, it was, it was totally delusions. I was completely deluded. Um, what was the moment but, that yeah, it, you couldn't live the lie anymore? Um, for a while now, I've been feeling immense gender envy towards males about a year now. Whenever I would go out in public and they would just be like in a group of friends or they would just be out, they would just look so free and everything. And I, 
here I am doing all this stuff to become my true self and live a better life. And I've done nothing but self-isolate and hate myself. I mean, I did everything that I did that the doctors told me to, to feel better. And I'm still completely self-isolated. I'm still miserable and depressed. And, um, I mean, so there was like that with like the gender envy. And I was like, why do I feel this way? I'm supposed to be a woman. Um, and that was when the cracks first started showing. And, and then I got surgery, um, pretty recently actually. And immediately after surgery, when I saw my body, I just felt mutilated and I was trying to convince myself like, no, this is the right thing. Testosterone's evil. You didn't need that. The castration was good for you. It's healthier this way now that you're not on blockers. And at the end of the day, I mean, I just, I, I kept trying to justify that I had done nothing but cut off my perfectly healthy testicles, you know? Um, and it was all in this suit of happiness and self-acceptance and self-love, right? Like it was all in the suit of becoming your true self. And I didn't feel any different. I didn't get, I didn't get any sense of relief. I didn't get anything. All I got was chronic pain and a lack of an endocrine system and my fertility taken away. That's literally it. That's all I got. You did all this research on your own and then you presented that to your professionals and how did the professionals, what was the interaction between you and the professionals over the course of your so-called transition? Pretty much. I was trans cause I said I was, I have gender dysphoria cause I said I was, I mean, I, ha- I had to do a psyche bell and I had to get tested for it, but I mean, I, I checked every box and I wasn't lying. I, I genuinely did feel that way, but I mean, pretty much all I had to do was present them with, I think I'm trans. I want to transition. And then I got referred to the gender clinic after I got the letter from a therapist referring me. Um, it was extreme. It was extremely easy. And I'm one of the ones that got more testing. I mean, what they do now is like informed consent, right? So you can just walk in somewhere, same day, walk out with an estrogen prescription. Um, like at least I had to go to some therapy and stuff, but even still, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it was way too easy. Was there Especially, like, what, what was the depth of questions that they would ask you? Like I, this condition is so nebulous. So how I'm long wondering, have you did felt you, like a, okay. How long have you felt like a girl? Are you uncomfortable in your body? Um, are you uncomfortable with your male attributes? Um, do, do you prefer like a societal role of a girl? Is that how you feel you like you fit or whatever? It was so long ago. I was like 13. So I'm trying to, but it was just, it was stuff like that. It was pretty much like, oh, how do you feel? And it was no, there was no deep dive into trauma. There was no deep dive into childhood, except for how I felt like, how I felt like a girl during childhood. No deep dive into any of the medical trauma that I had when I was way younger. Um, just, just, you're a girl because you say you are. Here's a, here's a referral to go to a gender clinic. You're a girl. What does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to be a girl? <laughs> I don't know be born with XX chromosomes and be under the age of 18. I don't know. <laughs> but to, according to them, it's just this nebulous idea that you could feel like. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think, I mean, women and men don't feel like, like you, you, you don't feel like a man, right? You just are a man. Uh, they're in, in relationships. Uh, gender does have, uh, more, not necessarily, I wouldn't say concrete, but it has more reality or weight when I'm in a flirtatious relationship, when I'm sizing up other men, when, when I'm interacting with men and women, then I'm mm-hmm. aware that I need to, you know, I'm aware of myself as a man or as, you know, uh, as, as a man among men or a man right. uh, among women. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I got this idea into my head that I was meant to be a girl and something got messed up in utero and I have this brain of a girl and everything. When really I just had the brain of a traumatized gay boy, you know, uh, that wanted to escape from it all. Yeah. What were I, I you never in the birth order? The mo- I'm the, like the oldest. Okay. Like out of my siblings. Yeah. I'm the oldest. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was that way for like nine, uh, eight, nine years, I think something like that a, a little while until my baby brother came along. Um, but yeah, it was, it was extremely easy. I mean, there was no pushback. I didn't get any pushback at all. Um, it was like, Oh, you want surgery? Here you go. Just tell some doctors that you're trans and you've been this way for a while and that you've been on hormones for so long. And I got a letter saying I was meant to stable but at the same time i was abusing drugs and like cutting myself but uh i was so mentally stable right like i i have the i have the letter for my srs referral pulled up and it's just it's ridiculous it's like this will increase or if 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 kobe old old trans name is what it says but if kobe uh does not get the sex reassignment surgery his depression anxiety and suicidality will increase um this will uh, help Kobe's quality of life, uh, perfect candidate, ideal candidate, all, just all stuff like that. Just like selling it like this great, amazing thing as if I wasn't about to get my penis taken apart, mashed up and inverted. Ideal candidate. Ideal Is candidate. Is that verbatim? Because I was... Yep. I think I was told that by... Um, a therapist before I started hormones that I was an ideal candidate for hormones. And then I was told by, uh, one of the sur- one of the doctors that did my no- letter over a video call that I seemed like the ideal perfect candidate for this. I seemed very sound of mind. I seemed very ready to take on the surgery. Um, when I wouldn't have been, I mean, it's traumatic, it's body trauma. It's like you, you go under the knife, you know, you go under anesthesia and you wake up and it's like your body's been in this horrific accident. It has no idea how to cope. It has no idea what happened. It just has to heal. And now it has this cavity inside that has to heal while you're trying to keep it open. And your immune system is just closing it up and closing it up. And it's just, I mean, it just, it would have been awful. It, I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. I mean, but I was, I was two months away from surgery before um, I, I ended up not getting it. <laughs> Was there a moment in the, you know, uh, on the Lupron, on the estrogen, um, where you took delight in your body and not necessarily in an erotic way, but just like enjoyed yourself or saw yourself as fit in yourself? There were, there were passing moments where I felt pretty. Yeah. Like I would do my makeup and I'm like, Oh, I look pretty today. Um, I had pretty hair that I would style and grow out. I mean, I, I wore nice clothes. I, I blended in very well, and, and I mean, I, there were times where I felt good, yeah. But the, the the times I felt terrible, and the times I felt suicidal, and the times I just wanted it all to end, um, it, that outweighs the times that felt good by like a long shot. Yeah, I was miserable throughout. I was miserable throughout the entire thing. There were moments of happiness, sure, genuine happiness, and everything, um, but it never lasted what was the cutting about? How did that start? And what was the significance of that for you? I started cutting when I was still a gay boy because I felt like I could never be loved for that. And there's nothing that I could do to get rid of my homosexuality. And I just felt disgusting and it would give me like a second of relief. 
from the reality of the world. And then when I started transitioning, whenever I felt like I wasn't good enough and when I was dysphoric and I just felt like I, did, I, I wasn't worthy and everything, then I would get the urges to do it or I'd get the urges. Well, it was like cutting for the very beginning of my transition and then eating disorders throughout the rest. But it would just, it was always just like, you're not woman enough. You're not good enough. Just all this stuff. And it would lead me to self-harm because I just, I felt like I would never be good enough. I mean, sorry to go here and it's kind of loaded language. I just went to church this morning and, you know, that was fine. Catholic church. It was, it was a nice you know, experience, a little boring. I slept through the financial report that they decided to insert in the middle of mass, but, you know, you go through this <laughs> process of showing up and, and, uh, you know, like this, it's a religious, religious language, but God is great. I'm a sinner. God, give me mercy. Uh, God teach me to show mercy. And it's this process of saying, uh, of saying, I love something greater than me and I'm seeking love from same, something greater for me. And, and through that strength, I get to love other people. And through that whole process, I become closer to being loved myself what you're expressing and what this gender ideology is expressing is that there's only the self that can only be loved by violating or intruding upon it, right? Or forcing it to be something that it's not. So it's exactly, like, it's the, exactly. it's the process of, of self-denial that's dressed up as a process of love. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I did all this, like I, I, I estrogenized my body, I stunted my puberty and everything all in the name of self-love and self-care and it was nothing but self-harm and it was medically assisted self-harm. Medically and, and cleared self-harm. Yeah, the, the doctors, I don't know what the doctors are thinking if they're on the righteous side of history, but like just that, I, that, that, that concept ideal candidate just sounds like so Frankensteinian, so Luciferian. I think it's, I think it's the money. I don't, I don't know. I, gender affirming care is a very lucrative business to get into. And I genuinely think all the motivation behind it is the money because the Lupron implants that I had, I went through multiple of them. Um, and they were $47,000 a pop. They're only the 13,000, I believe when they're used on label for cancer patients. $47,000. So, and how long do they last? Yeah, two years. So that's a thousand bucks a month about. No. I, I guess. Divide by 24. No, that's 2000 bucks a month. And where does that money come from? Did you yeah, guys have to pay out of pocket? Did you like have a paper route or something? My, my insurance covered it. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I got all the, I got all the documents and I saw how much they were charged for it. It was ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. It just, anything that they do for us off label is 10 times more expensive than what they do for anyone on label. It's because there's so few people treating this, they can drive up the price as much as they want. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand the economics of it and everything or the financial part of it. Um, but yeah, I, the trans healthcare is ridiculously expensive. I mean, for some, there's, there's this method for bottom surgery. It's called robotic PPT, where they take a graft from your abdomen and they line the neo-vagina with that. So it's, I think it's, so it provides more lubrication and you don't need to dilate as much. And also you can get more depth. Um, and it's just like, it's $130,000, I think some surgeons charge for it, uh, bill insurance. I, I, I know Min June, I think, bills insurance, $110,000. There's a, there's a surgeon in New York that does over $100,000. And all it is is that they're just using this robot 
you know, like a, a standard Pine Island version is like $25,000, $45,000. But then you add this robot in and this stomach graft and it's, they can skyrocket it up to like 110. And I'm sure it's because it's like a new surgery, but it's, it's ridiculous. All the, all the financial stuff about transition is ridiculous. It, it's just, it just seems like they just want to farm money from us, from mm-hmm. vulnerable people. In your in your explorations of the so-called trans community, or just the internet at large, did you see negatives to this? Did anybody talk about the negatives? Were you exposed to any of the you know like the nope. doubts, questionings? Think twice before you do this. Like, was there any? Nope. Not just gatekeeping, but people saying this isn't for everybody, and this is this is a big There's... commitment. Nope. Uh, there was no one ever talks about the p- potential of it being wrong. Uh, people underplay everything like, oh, it's just some hormones. It's just estrogen. It's just an orchiectomy. It's just castration. Oh, it's just completely stripping yourself of who you are and becoming someone else. It was completely downplayed. It was completely. No, I, I mean, I never thought anything could go wrong, really. I thought this was safe medically. You know, I thought this was very researched. I thought everyone knew what they were doing, but the doctors don't know anything. They really don't. I mean, maybe a couple of them know what they're doing or they have somewhat of an idea, but no. Like, my endocrinologist, she told me that, because when I was still in transition and I was on the estrogen, I wanted the tiniest little bit of testosterone to boost my libido because I was functionally asexual most of the time. Um, And she, like, told me, like, oh, that's out of our standards of care. Trans women don't need testosterone. You'll be fine. You have the estrogen in your body. And my testosterone levels were zero, you know? Like, I had gotten the orchiectomy. And I mean, ugh. but after the orchiectomy, I just, I got so depressed from having zero testosterone in my body. Like it was already suppressed so long for so low, uh, so low for so long uh, with the Lupron and everything, but actually getting the gonads removed just changes you like mentally and internally. Um, I had no energy. I was depressed more than I ever was in my entire life. I was suicidal every day. Um, I, I couldn't remember anything. Like I, I was... I'd be having conversations with the people and I'd have to ask them like what we were talking about. And it was ridiculous. Um, and then finally I went to a urologist and I asked him for testosterone. Um, and this was even before I decided fully to detransition and he gave it to me, he prescribed it to me and I, I, I took it. And I mean, on day two or three, I felt incredible. I felt the best I've ever felt. Like I was energized. I was alive again. I was alert. It felt like I came back online and I just, just knowing that I could have always been this way for the past five years of my life is just very depressing because I spent my entire teen years doing nothing, like actually nothing, just because I was so depressed. I was just rotting in bed watching the seasons change out of my window. Hmm. Or the season finale of Lost over and over again because you keep on forgetting what they're, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh no, it was so bad. I'd have to re- I'd have to restart movies, shows, I'd have to like rewind YouTube videos. It was the the brain fog was terrible. I mean, like everyone talks about it, but I just got it so bad. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but as as soon as like I got the testosterone, it was just like like relieved just off my brain. And what did that make you th- rethink? How did that make you or feed into rethinking transition? When I when I had gotten on the testosterone gel after the orchiectomy, I had already started rethinking stuff. Like surgery really does just wake you up. Um, 
And I, I was like, oh, this isn't right. I shouldn't be on full estrogen. I need a little bit of testosterone in my body. And then I did the testosterone for like a day or two with the estrogen. And I just quit the estrogen completely. And I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing any, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not coping. And I'm not reeling myself back into this every single time I have a thought that I should just be a man, you know, because I am a man. But um, so and then when I got on the testosterone, I was like, holy, I was just like, surprised I, I i felt like a different person completely like i actually felt alive um so there was like there was a point between me being on the estrogen and the testosterone and then me just being on the testosterone fully that i just switched and i was like no i can't do this anymore i can't live this lie anymore what was the switch and then, what was the prompt just realizing that i have destroyed my body i mean just really taking a step and looking back and realizing that i've destroyed my body for the past couple of years just trying to achieve this thing that i would have never achieved and then i also started looking back and realizing all the treatments i've done everything that i've done because i mean i did everything but the penile inversion and i wasn't any happier i was sadder i was worse off and i couldn't leave my house because of the immense passing anxiety which i mean i i, I touched i touched on earlier but yeah i mean i it was, it was awful. It was impossible. I couldn't go anywhere. So it's like, I was doing this whole thing and it just meant nothing and it solved nothing and it never got me anywhere in life. It held me back literally developmentally and socially and in every single way. What was the purpose of the estrogen? If you were, it, was that to redistribute fat, to grow breasts, to keep your skin a certain way or when I, when I started estrogen, when I was 16, um, yeah, it was to feminize me and make me appear more like a woman. So I, I, I grew breast, which will never go away. Um, I, I, my skin got softer. Um, I lost my sexual function down there. Um, I, my emotions changed completely. Uh, okay. Everything in my brain. Well, like I, well, I was just very irritable. Um, I was very depressed. That, that's that's honestly just what I can remember from the past five years. Is just depressed, always down, always sad, always defeated, and I never had any drive or anything at all. And I mean, I was like I said, I was psychotic on it. I mean, I was a bitch. I was, I just, I was completely like I don't know, just off the wall. Like it wasn't good. I mean, no, no male should have that much much estrogen in his brain. Did you keep a and journal then, during this time or have any sort of self-expression no, at all? I should have. I should have, but no. Um, I mean, I would post on Reddit sometimes and like trans event threads and stuff, but those are long gone. But what, what was really crazy was um, the progesterone that I was put on to help my, to help my breasts develop more. Um, that, when I say psychotic, I mean just actually psychotic. No one could do anything without me freaking out. No one could do anything without me wanting to die. Like I couldn't, nothing bad could happen at all or else I just wanted to die immediately. And I was on the progesterone for a while at like 200 or 300 milligrams um, a day. And it was just, it felt like I lost myself completely. I mean, that, that with estrogen too and the, the testosterone blockers, I feel like I lost my personality completely and I was just a shell, like a, a shell for five years, seven years, no five, because it was when I started the meds. You know, I don't, this is a really sadistic thought, 
but go the, ahead in the, for it. in the in the very least the doctors that are experimenting on your generation could be taking better notes of what happens just for research mm -hmm. just so we have the research there but they're not even doing that no they're not because you know what's going to happen when i go to the gender clinic looking like this and back on testosterone i'm going to get discharged from their care and i'm never going to get counted into any statistic that's exactly what's going to happen and that's why i chose to go public because so many people push this whole narrative that the detransition rate is one percent you know oh 99 percent of transitioners are happy but actually in the latest i mean i think it's the latest u.s study it's at least 13 percent and again there's no real way to count for everyone i mean especially if someone detransitions they don't want anything to do with this they're not going to be doing surveys about their transition and their detransition so the numbers are just completely skewed why have you decided to speak out then it's been it's rather rare for males to be open about this and i can understand from a male point of view but why do you have the pluck what's going on with you i don't want other feminine gay boys to end up like how i did i don't want other feminine gay boys to feel like they have to castrate themselves and take estrogen to be loved i just it doesn't matter as long as i can reach like one and make him rethink it or something like i wish i wish someone did that to me when i was when i started this shit how would that and look like that would speak to you because some some kids are so obsessed with this that they would there's nothing that could reach them but it doesn't sound like you oh, were no, so obstinate mean, about this i when i was active in transition nothing would have changed my mind i mean if a doctor told me no i would have just gone to another one but there was something, I, I don't know, maybe if I was at the very, very, very beginning of it, and I was starting to develop these things before they went full speed and before it was just full delusions, um, maybe someone could have helped me. Or if I was just shown, hey, look at me, it's okay to be a feminine gay guy, uh, it's, or it's okay to be just a feminine boy or whatever, I, I would have ever done this to myself. And I don't know, people like to think that it's all... It's all these FT, like ex-FTMs that are the only detransitioners and stuff. And there's like one or two guys like Richie and like Walt Heyer or whatever. But there's not. There's there's so many of us. But we stay hidden because of the social connotations of it. But I've already dealt with the social ridicule of being a gay dude and the social ridicule of being a trans woman. Coming out as a detransitioned gay dude can't be much worse. Well, you, you, you'd think so. But Twitter was brutal. How so? Um... Well, on one end, you have the trans people telling me to retransition because I make an ugly boy and I looked better as a girl when, even though I was miserable and doing so much stuff to my body that was awful. Um, and then there were the ones that were telling me to kill myself for detransitioning and speaking out on it, telling me that I'm hurting trans kids when I was a trans kid and I was hurt by the medical professionals, you know? Um, and then you have the rad fems telling me that I never looked like a woman. I looked like a man caked in makeup. And then you have the first, like the first wave was all these right-wing people that are very anti-trans and they saw my pictures and they thought that I was a like, I started off as a girl and then I went to a guy. So they're like, Oh, suicide by 25. You're going to be dead before you know it. And it was just all like from every angle, it was just like, immense hate. Like the trans people were angry at me. The, the, the anti-trans people were angry with me, the, just everything. And I was getting so much just hate from every side for doing nothing really. But, taking a picture of myself in transition and post-transition and giving my transition timeline. That's, I mean, 
that's all I really did. I, I didn't say stop puberty blockers for minors, or I didn't say stop gender affirming surgery. All I said was, this is what happened to me. This is how I became happy. And it just, it set off like wildfire. I mean, Jordan Peterson retweeted it. And after that, just like, oh, you're associating with Nazis or you're a psyop, you're, you're a government fed. Like someone even took my pictures, they put them side by side and there was red text scribbled all over it where they were trying to prove that I Photoshopped it. They said that I took a dead girl's pictures and Photoshopped her nose onto mine. Like the, like the mental gymnastics, the mental gymnastics. It's ridiculous. Wait, okay. For the record, did you, or did you not get a rhinoplasty for transition? I didn't touch my face at all. Okay. The only surgery I had was the castration. What was what was the lead up to the the castration and what was the doctor's relationship to that part of your body like how did they speak about it or what was your sense of the meaning of that part of your body So when I had them there was absolutely no meaning at all they were worthless they were trash they were ready to be discarded and everything cuz I was so into this mindset that it would make me feel better um I got a letter from like a gender affirming psychiatrist and got support from my gender clinic and then I found a urologist that was nearby so he was just like a normal urologist i don't think he's ever operated on a trans person before i mean for you know like a gender affirming surgery or anything and he took my case on you know because he was just a normal doctor he's not in all this stuff maybe he thought like oh this is a legitimate thing this this person has all these psychiatric letters that are saying this will make them better so i think he thought i was he was helping me and stuff and but i mean the whole thing was just harm but um he just, he spoke about my body just the way it is in the medical terms, my scrotum, my testicles. That's about it. There was no sugarcoating or tiptoeing around what they were. And what was the procedure, if you don't mind? A bilateral, a bilateral scrotal orchiectomy. So they go in and they remove both testicles and tie them off and cauterize them, which has not been the best. <laughs> So they just are supposed to die inside of you or no, they're, 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 they're taken out and they're incinerated. So I have, it's like, it's smooth down there. Okay. And the, the, I'm sorry for the audience and for you, the, the scrotum's just kind of taken away. So the scrotum is there. Um, there's something called a scrotectomy where it's just when they take the tire, they cut off the entire scrotum and they stitch it up and it's just completely flat. But they left the scrotum there and because, you know, when it's cold and everything goes back up in your body and it looks really small, it's like that, but all the time and there's nothing there. So it's just flat up against my skin, but the, it can still stretch out. Um, and I ended up, I keep, I kept the skin because I was planning on doing the sex reassignment surgery um, and they need the skin for the scrotal graft and the labia. Which grows hair on itself. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's electrolysis, there's, um, laser hair removal and, and normally it's, it's good enough. And then they also do like a, um, a follicle scrape with the skin and they mesh the skin, um, outside of the body, obviously. Um, so, I mean, most of the time that the hair isn't a big issue, but I mean, when it is an issue, there's nothing you can do about it. Cause I mean, what are they supposed to do? You can't get a laser up there. What was the, the side effects of that? Um, how did you heal or not heal from that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. It was, it was hard. It 
was traumatic. It was painful. I was given only a handful of five milligram hydrocodones for, and I just got my balls cut off. I couldn't eat for a week. Really. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I developed urinary issues. I don't know what that's from. I need to see a urologist, but from my research, it's permanent. Um, and then, um, the biggest one of all is I have chronic pain. Um, so where they cut off the spermatic cord, uh, where they cut the testicle off the spermatic cord and tied it off and cauterized it at the end, I can feel it. I can feel the stump and sometimes it's sharp pains and sometimes it's throbs and sometimes it just, just sucks, man. Like it's just, um, so with the testosterone, it's like, it's trying to get my gonads to come back online but there's nothing there. So it just aches. Um, and then with intimacy, if I get an erection, it hurts. If I, cause it's cause you you didn't develop, you're underdeveloped. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't hurt when I was on the estrogen, but now that I'm on the testosterone, it hurts really bad. Um, I don't know if it's like the erectile tissue trying to grow, at super speed because I'm 20 and what, what should have happened when I was younger, but it hurts so bad. It feels like trying to, I mean, this is TMI, but it's real. Trying, trying to masturbate feels like I'm slamming my dick in a door. Um, and then mm-hmm. if I can, if I can reach climax, um, it, so it'll try to pull up the sperm from the testes and there's nothing to pull up. So it'll pull and contract the spermatic cords and it's just pain every time I climax and it's like an espresso pain. machine there's trying to pump and there's no water and it's just going nothing they can do about it exactly but you have thousands of nerves nerves that have been severed and twisted around and tied off and cauterized when did you decide to detransition how long ago I mean, it, it's been in my head for three months straight, honestly, but I, I, I started the process about two weeks ago with changing my identity or whatever, but I really, I was just okay. going back to my biology. And then I started the testosterone while I was still on the estrogen. Um, and then that didn't last very long. I, I went off the estrogen very quickly after realizing all this stuff. And then I joined the, I joined a group of guys, um, and they were all really supportive and great. And I still had my long hair and I was just like, fuck it. I'm doing this like full, full force. And I went to the barber shop and just cut off all my hair, went and bought boys clothes and I haven't looked back since. So it hasn't mm-hmm. been that long, but I'm already way more settled and adjusted into this life than I ever was. Does it gentleman? It's almost like I was meant to be this way. <laughs> what kind of um, support, or, um, it sounds like you're at the very beginning. Um, so this, I don't know how to phrase this question, but like what kind of reconstruction, psychological reconstruction do you think you'll need? Or like, what are you looking for to, for healing? Like, what are you seeking? Where are you seeking for healing? I just, I just want to make guy friends my age and, and try to heal all that trauma and stuff. Uh, cause I know not every, I, I mean, I became very misandrist and stuff. I think that's the word when I was a kid, because of course all the men would attack me and bully me and stuff. And it led me down to a path of hating men and stuff. Um, 
and I just, I just think having guy friends and actually going out and living life, it would be so healing. And, um, I, I've, I've made some online and honestly, it already has been healing just being one of the guys and not feeling like a total, total imposter every single day of your life. Um, but I do, I do plan on finding, um, a male therapist that I can really talk to and, and dive deep into this stuff with and heal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I started healing the moment I took the testosterone and cut my hair and stopped trying to be someone else. You know, the, the problem with uh, not wanting to be a woman anymore is that you have to be someone, right? Like, like when I was 20, I wanted to be a writer, you know, other people want to be firemen, mm -hmm. you know, some people want to be a woman. Um, now that you, uh, decide that you not want to be a woman, how does the future look? What do you, what do you want to be? What do you want to become? It looks bright. I mean, I used to think that I was going to die young, you know, I mean, I, I really thought that I wasn't going to be around for long. Um, I, I, I don't, I, like I said, I want to study biology and get into something science related, but I, everything like actually reclaiming my life is such a new thing to me. Because, I mean, before, when I say that there was nothing going through my head but transition, there was nothing going through my head but transition. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I actually want to live and do stuff now. And I actually want to have a future. And I never wanted that when I was in transition. I just wanted it all to be over. This might be a shallow question, but I think it's not that shallow. So you're in a room and it's pink and you got dolls behind you and flowers behind you. Is this your room? Yeah, this is my room. I transitioned my room as well. My room has not detransitioned yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's my question. Like, what what is this? What is that? What does it feel like? What does pink feel like? What do dresses feel like for you? Like, just why why do you like them? Like, what why is this? I, I, I always liked pink. I always liked dolls growing up. Um, for a while, I wasn't allowed to have it when I grew up, and I was like a. Um, like about to be a teenage boy. Cause you know, I had to mature and I had to masculinize and grow out of that stuff. And so I got, I got rid of all of it. And then when I was in transition, I was like, I can do whatever I want. So I created this whole space for myself. Um, and it just feels calming. I mean, I still really like pink. I like, I like dolls. I like, I like how I decorated it, but I, I mean, I, I can't imagine having friends over. Really? And having a little tea party with your teddy bears. <laughs> Stop. There are teddy bears over there. <laughs> ah. hmm. what what is is there is there an aspect of transition of not wanting to grow up uh that, oh that for you've sure seen? yeah what's that oh for about? sure for sure i don't know i think trans people they especially when they start young they never really grow into adults or even some of the ones that do transition older in that life they infantilize themselves and it's almost like trans people act like they have no responsibility. And I mean, me as a trans person, I acted like I had no responsibility and all my other friends when I was actively in transition acted like they had no responsibility. And then the ones that were older were in sex work and we were all just pretty and we had this special thing. So guys could just give us money whenever we wanted. Um, hmm. And that just, that just breeds laziness. Transition just breeds laziness. I think it's for the, uh, for the MTFs. The, uh, I wish Jordan Peterson wasn't so good at what he said, but like, he's kind of claimed just basic truths about being, I guess being a man, but being a person, but without responsibility, 
Like what, what protection do you have against nihilism, against depression, against self-obsession, narcissism, borderline personality disorder? I mean, without responsibility, like what are you? I mean, you just, you basically just described me an active transition. Like you're nothing but that. And, And okay. So now putting that behind you, what do you, what's your dawning relationship with responsibility? How do you see yourself as becoming a responsible adult? Uh, honestly, that's something I'm trying to figure out for sure. I mean, I took no accountability for anything when I was actively in transition. I can be an awful person. I was like, Oh, I feel bad. I feel depressed. And people would just baby me and stuff. But no, I mean, uh, I, I definitely, I, I haven't had a chance yet where I'm super, where I have to be super responsible or accountable or anything, but I mean, I, I will be once I'm back in school and stuff and I'll be on top of all my stuff. Um, cause I know, I have to make it self now. <laughs> um, I used to have this idea in my head that like, oh, it's whatever. I'm a trans woman. I, I, all these guys love me. It's, I don't have to do anything. Because, I mean, it, it was true, but it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't any way to live. What kind of love did you get from guys? <laughs> uh, they'd pick me up after dark and we'd have sex. And then they'd never tell their friends about me. Um, that's, that was it pretty much. Was there anything deeper ever accidentally on their behalf or, um, with, I mean, I, I, I dated a trans guy, um, and that was a very special, normal relationship. Um, but a trans, like male to female trans guy. Is that what? Yeah. Like a, like a, like an FTM. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that relationship, uh, great and everything, but with anyone else, um, it was always just my body using my body for sex. And normally they were only interested in doing it one time to try out trans women. So it was, it was lonely. It was very lonely. How did that impact your self perception? Did you feel gratified in the moment and then terrible afterwards? Was there any like moment of like, I'm being seen or, I was so lonely. I just wanted to have not even attention, just companionship. And I mean, until, until I really snapped out of it, I thought, Oh, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I don't deserve these guys anyway. I'm trans. It would never really work. They're just giving me, they're being nice to me anyway. I should just be appreciative of that. Um, and then I look back and it's just so disgusting. My self esteem, my self esteem was disgustingly low. Like it was just not non-existent. And I had no self-respect for myself at all. And I don't think many other trans people do just from what I've seen. And there's something that about transition that breeds the recklessness. What do you have to live for? What does sex mean anymore? It's just a swappable thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Even the organs are just, just Legos. Yeah, exactly. At least with Legos, you could build something functional. With the special sets. <laughs> what, what's that? Um, do you have any insights about male sexuality or, or the, cause trans pornography or transsexual pornography is pretty big. Um, and it's probably consumed mostly by heterosexual males um, and then being used 
um, I think that's the word that you you uh, that you used uh, by males. What is that? Do you do you get a clue on what that's about? Like why males would be into trans women, or what they were into from you, other than just like the novelty of it? Was it just novelty, or there's this domination aspect of like total domination aspect of um, you know being on top of a feminized man because what's more dominant than making another man your bitch and i think that's kind of what goes into it from the conversations that i've had with men and trying to dissect men that are into me i I think that's it they like the they like the feminization and they like how it makes like they feel like they're uh, superior to you and you're just like a bitch boy yeah, I mean, uh, there's also, I mean, you're kind of young, so there is a little bit of, I, I don't, like maybe hebophilia or, or uh, pederasty going on, like age play kind of stuff going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I look so young. I, that didn't really set in until recently that these, these 26, 27, 28, 30 year old guys were only into me because I look like a child. Um, and when that set in, Oh, I felt so gross because I, I, it never crossed my mind before because I was like, oh, whatever, I'm 19, I'm, I'm an adult, it's fine. These guys view me as an adult, and they, they didn't. They viewed me as a child, just a legal child. Hmm. That That's another topic. Uh, you know, just thinking about detrans males and the mm-hmm. kind of support or resources that um, could be available or need to be available for them, you know, and then like just the physical rehabilitation that you're going to have to do with stunting your puberty. And you said your bones are already kind of fused. Like you're going to probably have to, there's probably a regimen. I I wonder, do you know of any research on rehabilitation from childhood transition? There's nothing, not a single thing. Hmm. Um, There's no resources for me to follow except for men that block their testosterone in their twenties and then went on estrogen for a couple of years. And then like, like Richie, like Richie's pretty much the closest that I have to understand what's going to happen to me. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, I never developed into an adult body. I don't know what it's like to be in an adult body. And I mean, I can, I can go through synthetic testosterone, but I will never get back those years where I would have had that growth and development and that puberty. Cause it's like, I mean, you see what happens to trans men, they, they get masculinized and stuff, but it's not, it's not a male puberty, right? Because like the bones don't really change. There's, I mean, the, it's just like fat redistribution and hair and voice drop and mental changes and stuff. But like, I don't, I don't know if my voice will ever get deeper than this. I don't know if my voice will ever sound deeper than this. It seems like my vocal cords are pretty much just set. Um, I, I probably will never develop an Adam's apple. I will always have these tiny shoulders, these tiny hands. Like, I'm one of the, I'm the smallest guy in my family. I just look, I mean, it was my dad, my dad at a party the other day and I got the pictures back and I just looked so underdeveloped. I look like a little kid hanging out with a bunch of adults and I'm 20, you know, I, but I look like a fucking, I look like a kid and it just feels like arrested development and I'll never get, I'll never get it back. And there, there's this grieving process of, not knowing what I would have looked like if I just let myself develop into a man. Yeah. That's something that, um, I could see being, um, dangerous for somebody in your position. Um, 
or, or like a tightrope walking through that grief and not succumbing to resentment or self-hatred for, you know, the choices that you made and then, then the process that you were um, fast tracked through or put through. I, I, I try not to blame myself very much because I just wanted to feel better. And I was just doing what the medical medical professionals and the insults in the room told me to do, you know. Did you say adults in the room or insults in the room? Because it sounds like you said insults in the room. Honestly, both would work, but I said adults. Okay. (laughs) My bad. Um, But yeah, the the adults in the room should have known better. But I mean, they told me that I'd feel better. They told me that I have this, that I have gender dysphoria, which I mean, I, I probably do. I have some type of dysmorphia or dysphoria, obviously, to do this to myself. I wouldn't have just... That's one thing. Trans people on Twitter were like, oh, you're not a real trans person. You were never really trans. This person didn't suffer from gender dysphoria. I I did. I had every symptom of it. I have every symptom of it. I still go through it. And uh, I don't know. I think think, um, following the trans discourse uh, or the transgenderist discourse... I know that they, they make these arguments and then they have to outmode them because the logic, the, the, the arguments that they make, eventually their logic catches up to them. So eventually they're going to start, start telling themselves not to say you were never really trans because that opens up the question, wait, is there any such thing as trans? Like, doesn't, aren't you giving the lie? Exactly, exactly. Because I mean, if I wasn't trans, then why am I sitting here with no balls? <laughs> you know, like, really, why am I sitting here with breast and an estrogenized body and this voice and this face? And if I was never really trans, I mean, what does trans even mean? Because I mean, there's people that have never even seen a hormone in their pill or hormone life. Oh, my God, I can't talk hormone pill in their life. There's there are people that have never seen a hormone pill in their life. And they call themselves a trans woman and the community is just like, yes, you're a woman. Um, but I go through surgery and I go through hormone replacement therapy and I get my name legally changed, my gender marker changed and everything you can do in transition, but I was never really trans. Yeah. You you can't, you can't, you can't be trans and then not be trans and then say that you're never really trans. Like you were trans. And that just means Mm -hmm. that trans isn't some sort of state. It's not the same as a male, a female, and then a trans person. Trans is something that is done to and by males and females. It's something done. Mm -hmm. It's not something that is. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's where I'm at. I, I don't believe in the... Well, I believe that the concept of trans child is so incredibly destructive that it shouldn't be accepted. No, I mean, it's... If someone, if someone wants to take hormones and alter their body when they're, I mean, even 18 is young, but I mean, if someone is a legal adult and they want to get it, they want to get hormones, they want to get surgery, fine, whatever, just leave the kids out of it. You know, it's like, that's where I stand with it. And I don't really think there's such thing as a trans kid. There's no way you can tell kids don't know themselves that well. I mean, sure, they have a sense of self and they know what they like and they know what they dislike, but they can't tell you, I want to make the choice to go on these blockers and permanently change my biology for the rest of my life, like I did. It's just, I don't know, the whole thing is just weird. You you were talking about like um, testosterone and masculinization through synthetic testosterone regimes that 
trans males or female to male trans people go through. But you also expressed that going back on testosterone, it's like your body wants it. Your body's built for it. So it's kind of a little oh, different sure. than, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. My body was never meant to run on that much estrogen. I mean, I, it was barely running. I was lethargic all the time. I was brain fogged. I wanted to die. I just, I wasn't alive at all. I was barely hanging in there by a thread and now I'm on testosterone and I feel like I'm on top of the world. I feel like I can do anything, you know? What's that like then? Oh, I mean, it's Beyond the first time I've ever felt this way really. And, it, and it, it's, it's great. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's everything that I was promised transition would feel like. Like how, like you're like how, uh, sorry. I just, like I said, I mean, I just really, the, the energy is the biggest thing because before I would do nothing, but just be in bed. I mean, I had no, I would not expend my energy unless I was working out to get thinner and more feminine, or I was getting ready to go out. Other than that, absolutely nothing. I had no personality. I had nothing at all. Just, I was just a shell. And then I go on the testosterone and it's like my personality came back online. It's like, uh, I started having an interest in things again. Like all these symptoms of depression started disappearing. And what about when you go out I mean, in I, public or you I, go to parties and stuff? Like I, that? I, I still your... very much so have, Oh, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I used to be so self-conscious. I used to be literally shaking in public. Like people can perceive me. People can look at me. People know I'm a man and going out in public like this on testosterone. I mean, I, I feel like people just sure it's uncomfortable that they see me so young. And sometimes they think I'm a girl with short hair and stuff. And sometimes they think like I'm an FTM, but it feels great. It feels so much better than going out on estrogen ever did. Um, I can actually do stuff now. I can't, I mean, I'm just not like, before, when I would go out, I would just be buried in my phone, uh, just trying to just make it through the day, you know, do what I had to do. But now I'm just alive and in the moment and happy. And this is really, really recent, this, um, this change. So I'm wondering, like, what do you, what are your plans? What are your immediate plans for the summer? What, do, what are you looking forward to? What, what are the next steps for you? Um, I, I really want to get, you know, so once my testosterone levels are, are stable, um, I'm going to start hitting the gym. Hopefully, I, I don't know, hopefully my down there doesn't give me too many issues. Like, I don't really think I can ride a bike anymore um, because I, I, I wouldn't want to. I couldn't imagine just like just the bumps and stuff. It would send pain all the way up to my abdomen. But um, I don't know. Um, I definitely just i i don't know i i've been just going to random things like i've just been going to, th to the store just to go to the store you know because it's just so great going out in public like literally anything would be great now it's just because i actually want to be alive now um and it's just it's so funny because they told me for so long oh you're you're suicidal because you have this testosterone in your body you're suicidal because of these male secondary sex characteristics because of your penis and None of that was true. I was just told to believe that. And then I was put on these drugs that literally ruined everything. They ruined my life for the five years I was on them. And what, what's your relationship to being misgendered at this point then? And I just kept absolutely no feelings at all. Honestly, absolutely nothing. Like I, I get, I get a handful of comments. I get she, he, they, when people don't really know, um, 
it doesn't it doesn't affect me at all. But back then, I mean, I used to feel like I was cut with glass, like I was stabbed or something, like just immense, just pain in my gut, and just like I, like I couldn't exist anymore, like I wasn't allowed to. Hmm. So it's a particular situation you're in. You're 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 twenty going on fifteen in a way. Yeah, exactly. So you have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, a lot of catching up to do that probably, I mean, I don't know. I'll have, I want to document it because I, there really isn't anyone like me. Um, it's documented it, documented it and talked about how the body changes after blocking puberty. Cause right now the current narrative is like, puberty walks are reversible and safe, right? Why are all my pain, why are all my joints in pain? Why am I aching all the time? Why am I completely stunted in a way that will never be reversed if they're if they're completely reversible and safe? If they were so safe, then why did I get hospitalized twice? You know, for psychological um, reasons or hospitalized for yeah. other complications? Yeah, it's like so I was so sorry, sorry. Yeah, psychological reasons. Um, but if I wasn't on the Lupron, I would have never been that so depressed that I had to get to that point where I literally was a threat to myself. Just. And, and all this stuff is supposed to be life-saving, right? And, it, and it's not. How do you plan on documenting this? Um, I, I think I might want to make a YouTube and do, like, monthly check-ins and everything. And definitely take a picture. I'm taking pictures of my body and my face and stuff and seeing if anything grows in. Because, I mean, all of this never grew in. This, none of it really grew in. Um and I don't know if it ever will. I don't know if my voice will drop. I don't. I don't think it will. So, in, in transition, there's these things uh, called transition goals. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have detransition goals, or do you have a different? Is it totally different than transition? totally totally different? Just taking it every day as it comes. I've I've learned not to warp myself into a new person. There is, there is this urge to, to masculinize sometimes, you know, like, oh, I, I want to get so built and ripped and jacked and I want to be the most manly man, but that's, that's inauthentic too, you know, that wouldn't be, be that wouldn't be my true self. That would be uh, just becoming another character. So to I'm Kobe just or to not Kobe. Yeah, literally. Um, so I'm just going to take the testosterone, take it one day at a time and see where it, see where it takes me. Um not trying to become anything, just trying to recover. Hmm. Is there anything uh, that you've uh, learned so far just on interacting with Twitter about the discourse around this that you think or you see could go in a different direction or could be improved in some way? Oh, for sure. So, um, first of all, trans people can have some actual compassion when a detransitioner comes out and tells their story and not completely blame them for what happened to them. It's like, he, he should have known, he should have known what he wanted. He lied to the doctors. Um, he, he wanted to get on these drugs and everything. And I'm like, no, I was told that they would make me feel better. So they can definitely be more tolerant in that way. And then also with the the people that are pro detransition, they were telling me to kill myself when they thought I was an FTM. So, in that regard, those people need to be way more tolerant. I just, just tolerance all around, honestly, because that would just get us so much farther, so much further. Hmm. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to have a conversation with someone that says, Oh, dead at 25 suicide by 30, you know, 
And I'm not going to want to talk to a trans person or be nice to trans people that are like, you should kill yourself. You were never really trans. You're hurting trans people. Like, it just makes you not want to engage with the conversation at all. And when you don't engage, it doesn't go anywhere. Hmm. Well, you sound, you sound like, even though like you definitely have cause for negativity on what happened to you and the state of the world, you still, it sounds like you're still hopeful and, and future oriented. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Um, I, I, I think if we do speak and we don't let trans people silence us and they don't, we don't let them just push the 1%, 1%, more people will consider this and more people will think about it and more doctors will do heavier screening. I mean, I don't even know what's, if that's possible because I had such heavy screening and I still slipped through the cracks ideal candidate ideal candidate yeah hmm. seems like they use that word a lot too or those words but oh yeah you're you're an ideal candidate for having your balls cut off and your dick inverted and w so you it wasn't you you stopped the whole process before you got to that point you didn't stop at that point at that or did you no, look I, into I, that further and I, see I, Issues. No, I, 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 um, I, I never got the bottom surgery. I, I wanted it really badly. Um, my insurance actually pulled out two months before I was supposed to get it. I was supposed to get breast implants and bottom surgery at the exact same time, which thank God I didn't. But after the insurance, after the insurance denied it, I became super suicidal and I was like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I can't live this way. And I just started the process immediately to start getting the orchiectomy and I got the letter immediately. This was right after I got hospitalized twice. They're like, yeah, you're mentally stable. Here's a letter to get your balls cut off. Um, cause it'll make you so much happier. It'll make you feel so much more affirmed. And now I'm just in pain with a numb scrotum. Hmm. Why did and the insurance pull out? Uh, what was that? Oh, the insurance pulled out because, um, they, so it was under my dad's insurance and they were only, they'd only cover the sex free assignment surgery for the, the beneficiary, I think not the dependent. If that may, am I saying the right word? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So like if, if my dad wanted it, he could have gotten it, but because I was a dependent under his insurance, they, they denied the coverage, but they covered everything else. My hormones, my Lupron, everything. My hmm. Um, and I think they covered the orchiectomy because the doctors made it seem like it was medically necessary. Like it was like a tumor or something. Um, which is what, how, that's how I felt about them. That's how I felt about my balls. And now it just feels like something's missing. Like I just, I'll sit there sometimes and just be minding my own business. And there's just this immense feeling of loss that travels through my body, which is a hard thing to cope with because I mean, there's no undoing what I did. How do you and, cope with it then? <laughs> jokes jokes with other guys in my exact same situation. Well, some of them have the penile inversion, but we're, we can all kind of relate to the whole missing body parts thing. Um, if I, if I, I don't know if you can't laugh about it, then well, it was all for nothing, I guess. <laughs> um, like it's hard. The fertility stuff is hard because I mean, yeah, I'm gay, but like it, it would be cool to do like IVF one day. Or something like that but that's that's not an option for me um i'll never 
So how can people uh, follow you and find you? Um, <laughs> I, I have a Twitter account called Steinberg with a X in between Stein and Berg. Um, and that's pretty much all that I'm active on. Mm-hmm. Then you think about doing maybe a YouTube kind of chronicle kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When, when I, when I do, it'll probably be like Steinberg too. I don't know. That's always just the username I've used on forums. Mm-hmm. It's like this Russian model that I used to be obsessed with and she's just so cool. So I'm like, okay, Steinberg. Mm-hmm. And how did you stumble upon this D trans milk group? Uh, I had heard about it mentioned a couple of times on the, on the Reddit. Um, and then I asked around about it with some D trans men on Twitter. And one of them was like, Oh yeah, Richie runs it. So I messaged Richie. And, and, um, and he invited me into the server and it's just been great. I mean, there's, I've never been understood so well. And just the, the parallels between all of us are crazy. It's like, there's so many patterns and the fact that none of, no one's getting this, no, none of the mental health professionals, none of the professionals are catching these patterns, but we're just talking for a couple of minutes and we see all the parallels. It's like, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, hmm. But the, the group has been the, the best thing for me. Honestly, the, the guys in there are so great. They help me out so much. Hmm. And it's, it's based more on understanding than affirmation, whatever affirmation means. Oh, yeah. I mean, none of us need to be affirmed. We're all just men being men, you know. It's not, you only need to be affirmed when you're doing something you're not really, and you need all this extra external support, which is funny. Like, someone's happiness and transition relies completely on external stuff. It's a dangerous place to be. It is. Absolutely, it is. Well, Kobe, um, thank you very much for coming on. I hope we can speak again, maybe get Richie on the line. and, and uh, Yes, and... definitely. I'll... Yes, definitely. That would be great. Um, I'll message him and I'll let him know that yeah. maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah He loves sure. to was... basically use my channel as his <laughs> soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love him. Love him the most. He's great. He's a great guy. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah there's a lot of great guys. Um behind the scenes and this whole D-Trans stuff. We all yeah. we all work together and stuff. Well, that makes us sound like we're um, an organization, but you, you know what I mean. We all work together to help each other and to support our cause and try to try to prevent more people from going down the path that we went down. Yeah. You guys are uh, kind of under, uh, like, kind of off the beaten path, and there's reasons for that, I know, because it can. there's just a lot of problems with the whole uh, thing getting infiltrated and just a bunch of stress that is the opposite of what you guys need. But there is, like, I just, anybody oh, yeah. who's coming upon this, like, there is support. There are other people in your position if you're a, a male-to-female-to-male so-called detransitioner. There is infrastructure that's being built and at there, least groups there was- that are active. There was never any female. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> there was, I was. There was never any female. Was it was yeah, ma- no. no, you're fine. Male to estrogenized male to male. <laughs> That's all it was. Male to estrogenized and surgically altered male to traumatized recovering male. <laughs> recovering men. That's all we are. That's all we are. We're just recovering men trying to do better and trying to get better. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was really great talking to you, Benjamin. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I'll finish the recording there. <laughs>